We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. We are in a series called Not Today, Satan, and I'm so excited to be able to get this opportunity to teach in front of you today. Uh, I wanted to shout out my pastors, Pastor Muta, Pastor Christine, thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you for so much for giving me this opportunity to share today. And uh, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about your pastor. Normally when people say that kind of thing, let me tell you a little bit about your pastor. Let me tell you a little bit about your friend. It's usually negative things, but I want to shout out Pastor Muta. Pastor Muta has been an amazing, amazing friend to me for years and years. He's been an amazing mentor for me for years and years. And one thing that Pastor Muta always does is he, he truly, truly believes in me, and I just wanted to shout him out for that. He's a great friend. He's always gassing me up uh, for the older crowd. Gassing me up means, like, hyping me up. For the even older crowd, hyping me up means uh, just championing me and coming behind me in support, saying that I'm capable of doing many things. So I just want to shout out Pastor Muta. He's an amazing friend. For, he's always gassed me up. And uh, have you ever had friends that have gassed you up in the past and then you fell flat on your face? Sometimes friends hyping you up is not always the best thing. It's a good thing when it's, when it's a mentor and a leader like Pastor Muta, but some of my friends gassed me up in the past that, that hasn't been the uh, best thing for me. I think of a, uh, this one instance in my life where I was hanging out with some friends before we went out uh, for the night, before we went out partying for the night, and we were just hanging out together. We're, we're laughing, we're telling jokes, and I don't know how this story came, came up, but uh, I was telling them about this story in high school, about the one girl in high school who I was always nervous about, and I had made a conscious decision to never be nervous around any woman ever again, to never be afraid to talk to any woman ever again. And I was just telling them this story and, and telling them how I had changed my life and how I was never, going, never allowing um, fear to creep in and to keep me from talking to anybody. And we ended up going out for the night, and lo and behold, of all the luck in the world, I look across the room and I see the very same girl that I was telling them about. And I said, oh, you know what? That's crazy. She's right over there. Before I could even get the words out, before I could even finish saying right over, I, I just felt in slow motion them just going over there. i like, no. And I see them making a beeline for her, and I'm like, oh gosh, this is, this is nerve-wracking. I'm so nervous. Like, I can't believe, like, they, they, of course they went over there and started talking to her. So they start chatting her up and everything, and it's like a game of telephone. Like, they come from over across the room to me, like, yeah, she said, if you, if you, if you want to talk to her, why are you sending all your friends over? I'm like, well, I didn't technically send you guys over. You guys just took it upon yourself to go anyway. So they're going back and forth, and, and finally, at the end of the night, I just work up the courage to go over there. Because you know what? I said that I would never be nervous again. I said that I would never uh, run into this situation again. And I wouldn't let myself be a chicken ever again. So I go over there. And I couldn't think of anything to say. All the things that were going in my mind as I'm walking over there were just jumbled. I just had a thousand different things running through my mind. And as I get over there, she just looks at me. And I look at her, and she looks at me, 
And I say, you know I always liked you. You knew I always liked you. And it was just diarrhea of the mouth. Everything that came out of my mouth somehow was like the wrong thing. Nothing good came of that situation. And I fell flat on my face and I just look over on the side and my friends are just having a field day. They're just cracking up at me falling flat on my face. The whole night they just kept continuing to, to jab at me about that. You know, we can be honest some, some, some of our friends don't have our best interest in heart. Sometimes we, they, they may think that they have our, their, our best interest in heart, but some of their actions don't necessarily reflect that. But if we're being honest, we can all think of those friends that we have in our lives that keep us playing small. For example, we all have that friend in our life that whenever you get around, all they want to do is talk about in the past, what you guys used to do in the past. Like, man, you remember back in high school how we used to, and you remember back in middle school, and we used to, and they always come up with these examples of things in the past, like when you, you can't talk about anything positive in the future or in the current or what your, your plans are for the future or your goals are, your aspirations. All you're stuck in talking about is things of the past in the glory days. If you have that friend in your circle, it's time to get rid of them. I'm going to give you a little free game. I'm going to put you up on some free game. If you have that friend in your circle, you need to get rid of them because they're going to keep you playing small. For those friends that aren't talking about growth and growing and getting better in life are always going to keep you playing small. But ultimately, we're afraid to detach ourselves from friends like that. We're afraid to detach ourselves from friends that might not have our best interest in heart because we don't want to be alone. We don't want to be lonely. The greatest fear of man is to be separated from his tribe. But if your friendships aren't challenging you to grow, if they're not building you up and they keep you playing small, it's time to get rid of them. And that's what this series is all about. We're in a series called Not Today, Satan. And if you're at home listening, I want you to say that with me. Say, Not Today, Satan. That's right. It's about overcoming the, limit, the lies and the limiting beliefs that keep us playing small in life. And sometimes that's our friends. It makes me think of one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the story of King Rehoboam in 1 Kings chapter 12. So let me set the stage for you real quick. Let me set the stage for you real quick. So Solomon has just died. Who's Solomon? Solomon was a baller. Solomon prayed to God for, as he was about to step into his kingship, he prays to God for wisdom, and God blessed him beyond measure. He, not only did he bless him with wisdom, but he also blessed him financially. He blessed him in every aspect of his life because he was willing to humble himself and just pray for wisdom. So he was, the, the, he was a straight baller. He was the richest man. He was the wisest man. He said he's the richest man of all time. And now that he's dying, his son is about to be named king. So unfortunately, despite all the, the wisdom that Solomon had, Solomon had his own share of problems. So his kingdom that he had, he was giving down to his son, was not the best, in the best shape. So Rehoboam is about to be named king, but he's on thin ice because of his dad's issues. So it's like he taking this kingdom on that was so great and powerful, but flawed. It's like getting a Tesla, but all the lights on the dashboard are on because it's just a piece of junk. It's like getting a Tesla and it, and it, it has, needs four new tires and the the navigation system doesn't work and the little computer screen on it doesn't work and it needs an oil change. Even though Teslas don't even need an oil change, uh, they don't even take oil, uh, it needs an oil change. So this is like just a bad shape that this kingdom is in. 
So the problem is Solomon loved him some foreign women. And some of you may be like, what's the big deal about that? I love some foreign women. See, it even says it in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. So the issue was he, all these foreign women that he loved in his old age started taking advantage of him losing some of his mental faculties, and they started turning him away from God. They, he started worshiping their gods. So God's like, no, Solomon, stop. You're tripping. Get your act together. You need to get these women out of your life. And Solomon's like, nah, I can't hear you over my 700 wives and 300 concubines. No, that's real numbers. So in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 11, it says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant, not even his son, his servant. Verse 12, yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. So he's doing this in spite of Solomon. So God goes on to raise up opposition against the Israelites. Solomon eventually dies and leaves Rehoboam, the kingdom, in a tough spot. And he had to meet with the tribes that he was going to be ruling over as he was stepping into his kingship. So that brings us to 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 4. You're all caught up. And it says, your father made our yoke heavy. These are all the Israelites that are coming to King Rehoboam. Your father made our yoke heavy. That means the work was hard. Their lives were difficult. Now, therefore, lighten the, serv- lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. It sounds like a pretty good deal. And he said to them, go away for three days and come again to me. So the people went away. They came to him like, yo, Rehoboam, Ray Ray. Let's make a deal. Hey, your pops was a jerk. He was just like, he was the worst person ever. He was the worst. Yeah, so if you, if you just, you know, take it easy on us. Like, like you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. You, you take it easy on us and we'll continue to serve you happily. We won't complain about anything. So he's like, you know what? Give me three days and I'm going to think about it. To me, his mind was already made up. Because look how dim- dismissive he sounded in verse 5. He said, go away for three days, then come again to me. So it sounded to me like his mind is already made up because of how dismissive he was to this suggestion. But Solomon, uh, not Solomon, Rehoboam decides, you know what? My pops was pretty wise. He's got some good advisors. So I'm going to go ahead and ask him, them, what they think I should do. Let me, let me uh, talk to my pops' advisors real quick. I mean, he was the wisest man that ever lived. He may have fumbled the bag, but he has some top-notch advisors, right? So I'm going to go to them. So in verse 6, it says, Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? Like, what am I supposed to do? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them, and speak good words to them when you answer them, you know, speak kindly, don't be a jerk, then they'll be your servants forever. Boom. That sounds like some solid advice. Like, yo, this is what they're offering you. It seems like a pretty sweet deal. I I would take it up if I were you. And that seems like some really solid advice. 
But if we're honest, that's earthly advice. That's, that's, if Rehoboam was really smart, instead of going to Pops' advisors first, he would have gone to God first. And as I'm wrestling through scripture, as I'm wrestling through this text and everything, the first thing I'm thinking is like, man, uh, he really should have, point number one, prayed first. I wanted to come up with a super cool uh, point, but pray first is simple, sweet, it's to the point, it's what he should have done. And in our situations in life, we could probably do so much better if we handed things to God first before going to get advice from wise counsel, before going to get advice from our friends. We should go to God first. If we're truly giving, if they were truly giving sound advice, the advisors would have even told him, you know, go to God first. That's the right thing to do. So if he had done that, they would have been able to identify the issue and had the opportunity to repent instead of just going straight to the people. He could have possibly avoided the entire situation of his life, but how many of us could put ourselves in better situations daily if we prayed first? You know, I'm not in the mood today. My boss is tripping. My boss is getting on my nerves. They better not say one thing to me. What if we prayed first? I already know when I get home, my, my wife and my kids are going to be, they're going to be getting on my nerves. They're going to be nagging me. They're going to be all over me. And I just, I just don't even feel like going home. Pray first. Our energy precedes us. A lot of times we create the chaotic emotions and the chaotic environments that we, we experience because of how we show up in life, because of how we show up, how we walk in the door. That creates a lot of those chaotic experiences because we're already in a bad mood. What if we gave it to God first before we walked into each situation? We need to pray first. See, my wife is holier than me. I'll be the first to admit that. I, I, there's several times where I misplace something or I'm frustrated about a situation and I'm storming around the house and I'm frustrated, I'm angry. And I go to her for advice and she's like, well, did you pray about it? I'm like, no, I don't feel like praying right now. But that's, that's what we need to do. We need to be avoiding these situations by just letting these things go and giving them to God for the ultimate answer. We would lose a lot of these headaches and frustrations if we give things to God. Pray first. Verse number eight, but he abandoned the counsel the old men had given him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. So he abandoned all the advice that he was given and goes straight to his friends to see what they had to say. Point number two. Pride causes us to seek people to justify our opinions instead of seeking truth. I'm going to say that again. Pride causes us to seek people to justify our opinions instead of seeking truth. What Rehoboam was doing here was advice shopping. Instead of just taking the advice that he sought out first, he went to the next wave of advice just so he can see if their opinions would validate the truth that he had already placed in his heart. See, he went to the, his father's counsel and he's like, nah, these, these beliefs don't necessarily align with what I believe. So I'm going to go with the people who've been with me, who've been riding with me this entire time. And that's an unwise and ungodly way to seek counsel. So he went to them and he grew up with them. So they were likely to have beliefs that already align with his beliefs. And these beliefs already align with his inner fears and the limiting beliefs that he's taken up his entire life. See, Rehoboam was on a search for significance. Look at, look at his lineage. Look at his family tree. He had some big shoes to fill. He had some Shaquille O'Neal-sized shoes to fill. He just wanted to look competent. 
I mean, his dad is the richest and the wisest man that's ever lived. And then you look at his grandpa as David. Yeah, David, five, five smooth stones in a slingshot, David. And he's got these giant shoes to fill. So you, you think that there was some fear of, of feeling inadequate? Like, there, there was definitely some inadequacy there. Verse number nine says, And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer the people who have said, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? He's like, man, these punks over here want me to take it easy on them. Pop And Pops' friends want me to serve them. What do you guys think? And the young men who had grown up with him said, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's size. And now, whereas my father laid on you heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So scorpions are like whips, but like on steroids. Scorpions are whips, but they have like these little metal pieces on the end. And the purpose of using scorpions to, as punishment was to beat them near to near death. But it ultimately usually resulted in death because it's like kind of like a oops, I mean, I guess. But his friends are hyping him up. His friends are like, yo, you got to tell them your dad didn't have the cojones to punish you the way that I'm going to punish you. Your dad was nothing compared to how you're going to do it. So he's feeling gassed up. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, they don't know what's coming to him. So he had some three days to think on this. He's probably pacing in his room back and forth, hyping himself up like, yeah, when I get out there, I'm going to say this. Yeah, and, and then they're going to definitely fear me. They're definitely going to serve me because the way I show up, they got, my dad's got nothing on me, so he's pacing back and forth. He's hyping himself up. And he gets back to the people in verse 13 and said, And the king answered the people harshly, forsaking the counsel the old man had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men. He took his friend's advice, saying, My friends told me to tell you, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. He's like, y'all going to wish my daddy was still alive when I'm done with you. Y'all thought it was tough then. This is Ray Ray's house. I run this. Point number three, the voices you listen to will determine whether you walk into God's abundance or diminish your potential. The voices you listen to will determine whether you walk in God's abundance or diminish your potential. Verse 15 says, So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he may fulfill his word. If you look back in chapter 11, this is the exact same thing that God said. The people were going to turn on Solomon's son, and he was going to remove the kingdom from him. Which... It said, the, for it was the turn of affairs brought by the Lord that though he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shelanite, or to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. In verse 16 it says, and when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, what portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, we out of here. Look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah, just like God said. The prophecy was lived out. 
Rehoboam created the very thing that he feared the most, the very thing that he was trying to avoid. In the search of significance, he, he, his friends had him playing small and put him in a situation where he feared the most. He needed to get real what was really going on inside him. Rehoboam was broken. Rehoboam was on a search for significance. He wanted to be viewed as this strong and powerful leader, but he wasn't willing to do what it took. He just wanted to lead from position instead of leading from a place of authority where you actually like the people that you're working with, where you actually get things done. He just wanted to lead because he had the title handed to him. He wasn't willing to do what it took. The bad advice that he took led to destruction and death. Ultimately, it choked out his potential. The company that he was keeping choked out his potential. And if I'm honest, for some of us, the company that we're keeping is choking out our potential. Some of us are so afraid to lose friends. Some of us are so afraid to lose some people in our lives that we allow them to become our downfall. We wonder why we, we keep getting in toxic relationships, but we avoid the people who are going to speak into our lives and hold us accountable when we're not living up to the standard of God. We wonder why we keep getting stuck in life, but we settle for friendships where we can get together and complain instead of relationships where we can build together, where we can grow spiritually and mentally. We wonder why all of our friends and family seem stuck in life, but we withhold the gospel from them in order to protect this facade, this, this image of a friendship because we don't want to come across as offensive. Some of us are keeping our friends playing small in their lives because we're afraid to share the gospel with them. I remember this friend I had growing up. He was an amazing kid, amazing potential, good family. And it seemed like a lot of that was ripped away from him. His, his father passed at an early age, and I just started to see a spiral downhill. I started to see a spiral of inconsistencies to what his true potential was. And it, several, all these unfortunate circumstances just seemed to pile up in his life. And after college, I remember getting a chance to reconnect with him. And it was a good time. We laughed. We joked. We, we uh, played sports together. And I, I, he just seemed broken. And God had put it on my heart that I needed to intervene, that I needed to have a conversation with him, that I, I needed to tell him about Jesus in several car rides, several hangouts, several opportunities passed. And I was like, no, now's not the time. No, now's not the time. Now's not the time. So I ignored those opportunities. I ignored those, those chances to, to share the gospel with them because I didn't want to come across as offensive. Ultimately, uh, he, he lost his life at an early age early for earthly standards, but God knows the timelines of our lives. And I never got that opportunity to share the gospel with him. I think of how, how much his life could have changed if I were able to be obedient in that moment, if I chose to be obedient in that moment, if I chose not to play small in that moment. Would he still be here? Would his family's life be impacted by that decision? 
That's something that I wrestle with constantly on, on a daily basis. I didn't get a chance to tell him that, that God loved him. I didn't get a chance to tell him there's more. I didn't get a chance to show him God's love. Instead, I chose to give him fake love. And from that day forward, I said to myself, no more. No more am I going to walk into other people's lives and play small in their lives for the, the facade of friendship. I'm going to share the gospel, even if it's offensive. I want to share that, that God sent his only son down to die for us on the cross with us in mind so that we can have eternal life with him. I have to step into those opportunities to share the gospel because I don't want to play small in my friends' lives and family's lives. And there's two groups of people who are listening today. Those who have been keeping it, playing small with the company they keep and haven't had the opportunity to walk into a relationship with God. And, and, those, and the second group is those who've been playing it small and who have been afraid to share the gospel with their friends and family because they don't want to come across as offensive. And for a lot of us, we, we can fall in both of those categories. So if, if that's you, if you're afraid and you're playing small in your friend's life, I, I want you to, to ask that person to coffee. Ask that person that's coming through your mind right now to coffee. Have a conversation over coffee. Have a conversation over, over lunch. Share what you're reading in the Bible with them. Share what God has done in your, in your life with them. And if you're that person who, who's been playing it small in their lives and who hasn't fully accepted a relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I just thank you so much. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for every moment that I have going forward. I want to, to, to step into my life. I want a relationship with you because I want to stop playing small because I know that you have so much more for me and my friends and my family. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.